Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. There was a shake and a rattle, and the stone was rolled away. Amen. I was upstairs a couple of weeks ago um, teaching children's ministry, and I was just watching the energy that John brings with the young people. And, and he's around my age, let's say maybe a little older. Uh, he brings it. <laughs> he brings it, and uh, the young people are truly worshiping God, um, not only through song, but uh, in the hearing of God's word and, and understanding who God is, who they are in the kingdom. One of the beautiful things that uh, so pleased me and, and, and what was said was they picked what they wanted to do and how they were going to worship the Lord. Um, the Bible tells us to train up a child in a way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. it. It is not out of compulsion, hey, this is your part. No, God will let each one of us know who we are called to be in the kingdom and how we are to glorify him. So even when I was watching Levi on the cajon, I was like, yeah, he got a drum set for Christmas. So he, he's doing what God called him to do in each one um, because the, the, the dancing and waving of banners to the singing to the instrument is all part of what God has called us to do and more. I, I started out in children's ministry. I, I love children, and, and then I was with the youth, and, and now I'm, I'm here. What, what a beautiful thing to see that God meets us on so many different levels, uh, right from we're babes, uh, when we have that type of grace in our lives that he would bring us up in a Christian home. So right from the start, you know who uh, God is. Wasn't necessarily my story. So I, I went through a, 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 another level of things, but not so for them, which is a beautiful thing. Good to see you all this Sunday morning. We're going to be continuing in our series, All Eyes on Jesus. And the text this morning, we read it a couple of weeks ago. We're going to look at it from a different perspective, is in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to start reading at verse 15. While you're getting there, uh, last night I watched a little bit of the, the Ten Commandments on, um, on TV. And, and I said I watched a little bit because you, you have to take a vacation day to watch the whole thing. It's, it's really long. And, and, and watching it, quite a few things uh, came to mind. One was... Uh, the development in acting. So when you see uh, scenes that are so dramatic and how they're played out, is it's so different today when you watch acting. Another thing I noticed was the special effects. Um, at that time, that was cutting edge of special effects. And it's so different uh, than it is today. But the thing that I noticed the most and I think was the most important is I recognize that I've been watching the Ten Commandments um, since I was a child. I, I remember different times watching the Ten Commandments, and every time I watched it, as I grew in my understanding of God, and I grew in my understanding of the Word, I was able to detect certain things that was artistic freedom opposed to what the Bible actually says. And I bring that up because often we have these views in our mind about a story or even a biblical character and it will be, um, in part, accurate to some extent. In other parts, we've picked up information, 
or heard people say things about a biblical character, we have a, a picture painted in our mind, and today we're going to explore a character that is uh, in that vein and, and maybe look at it from a little different perspective. The title of this morning's sermon is The People Chose Barabbas. And, and we're going to focus on Barabbas and, and who he was and, and just kind of give some thought to that in this bigger picture of all eyes on Jesus. So again, we're reading out of Matthew uh, in chapter 27. So if you don't mind, please stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to start at verse 15 and read down to verse 31. And it reads this way. After the feast, the governor's custom was to release to the crowd a prisoner they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who is it you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was because of envy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man. For today I suffered terribly in a dream because of him. The chief priests and the elders, however, persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, they answered. Pilate asked them, what should I do then with Jesus, who is called the Christ? They all answered, crucify him. Then he said, why? What wrong has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. All the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the governor's residence and, and gathered the whole company around him. They stripped him and dressed him in a scarlet robe. They twisted together a thorn, a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and placed the staff in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews. Then they spat on him, took the staff, and kept hitting him on the head. After they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe, put on, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to crucify him. Father, we, we thank you for your living word. We thank you for the power in your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you call us to gather together and we have a place to come and worship you in song and sit under the word for it to change us. We always want to be changed, Lord. Like your word tells us, to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Lord. Your word has the power to do that by the might of your Holy Spirit. So we petition you this day, that we would be ministered to, that we would feed on your word, that we would walk out of here different than we walked in, knowing you better, glorifying you more, having a greater level of confidence, hope, love, and joy because of who you are, because of what you've done, and who we are in you. We petition you for these things, thanking you in advance this morning in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So uh, 
The text we, we read starts out speaking about this festival and the governor's custom to release to the crowd a prisoner that they, they wanted. And um, it's sort of like uh, the tradition that we have in America where every Thanksgiving the president has a turkey and he grants that turkey clemency and, and that turkey does not get eaten at anyone's table but but he's released. And, and to us, that may be a silly thing to that turkey. That means I get to live, right? And uh, as we hear this, uh, that they had a custom where they would release a prisoner to um, the people, you would have to think to yourself, well, why would they do that? Um, they're not doing that as a kind gesture. It's more of a political move to continue to be on, uh, have a certain level of relationship with the people, right? You have uh, Rome who has come in and, and taken over and occupied Israel. So it is a way of keeping a certain level of, of control. And, and in this instance, we find ourselves with two people. You have Jesus the Christ, and, and you have Barabbas. And often when we think of uh, uh, Barabbas, we've seen movies where uh, he has been portrayed in a certain light. Uh, and that's why I mentioned the Ten Commandments earlier, because sometimes when you read Exodus, you start to think about those images that you already have. And, and that's where we need to be a little careful. So who is um, Barabbas? And in our minds, he is this person that um, if we were to put in order who are some of the worst people in terms of characters in the Bible, we would probably say first it would have to be Judas. And then, and then maybe in our minds, Second, maybe Barabbas, or at least he would be in that top group of people. But let's consider for a minute what um, Barabbas, what we know of him, in the context that these things were done and what the people then may have thought of Barabbas. We, we know Barabbas to be um, a person that had been accused of murder, um, that he was an insurrectionist. Um, they called him a bandit, uh, that he started a riot. And, and he is actually mentioned in all four of the Gospels. Now, when we think of this man, let's uh, put some of that in a certain level of context. Because the people then may have looked at Barabbas a little different. Yes, he was a murderer. But some may have saw that as a war being waged against the people that had occupied them. So they may not have seen him as a murderer. They may have looked at the things that he did and the group of people that he was with as a patriot, right? We don't call a lot of our founding fathers murderers meaning the founding fathers of this country. In our minds, we have a thought that they did something uh, that was righteous, that was to give a level of freedom for us to have our own governance here in America. So some may have looked at him as a patriot. Some may have looked at him as a hero. Um, it all depends on where your thought is. Uh, he was a, probably a zealot, which were the people that wanted to 
take Israel back by force from Rome. And this is the context that this man is arrested. And these accusations are put against him. When you were arrested for something like that in Rome, you would have to think uh, they want to make an example out of this person. They wanted to make sure that they were going to put down any future thought of anyone coming against Rome in that way. So he's in a dungeon somewhere. Often when we think of, of a prison, we, we think maybe they have one little window, but often prisons there were in a hole underneath buildings, and, and they, you did not see the light of day. And he was probably awaiting his execution, and, and now all of a sudden soldiers come in and they go to get him, and maybe he's thinking, that's it. This is the day that I'm going to die. And, and, and when he comes up out of that dungeon and, and he's before Pilate and there's a large crowd of people there and they're yelling all kind of things and, and they're even yelling his name, Barabbas. And, and, and maybe he's thinking, I'm already going to die a horrible death. Are they trying to, to, to give me more charges and, and then as he starts to hear what's going on around him, that it's not his blood that they're calling for, but the blood of the other person that's, that's there next to him. And, and this person has been brutally beaten and accusations are being thrown at this other individual, and, 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 and the crowd is calling for this other person to be crucified. And now Barabbas himself is saying probably, what could this guy have done? I know what I've done. Uh, I, I may have justified it in my own mind, and I know I've gone against the ruling Government here, what could this guy have done that they so want him dead? And sometime as these things are going on, he starts to have a glimmer of hope. He, he could not, when they first went and grabbed him from the dungeon thought this was going to be a hopeful day. Probably all kind of thoughts about this is it. I I'm going to die. And yet, it's totally different. And he gets released. Like, wow. I wonder, wonder if he if he ran away, hey, before they change their mind, let me get out of here. Or maybe, um, maybe blended in with the crowd and watch what was, what was going on. If, if he did either of those things, no, no doubt, at some future event, he had to he had to hear, this is the guy who died instead of you. He, he, he had to, and, and the funny thing is that the Bible never speaks about him again. Historians never speak about him again. But he had to hear, they said that this man was the Messiah, they, they tortured him, and, and they killed him, and, and they nailed him to this tree, and, and we just read what the soldiers even did in, in mocking him. 
and you were released, knowing that you were guilty, recognizing that seemingly your fate was sealed. Wow. As we consider that, we also have to consider who helped him be released and, and, and why. It was the religious rulers of the day. It, it was the head of all religious activity. The Jewish people were God's chosen people. And, and the leaders of the Jewish people knew the word of God very well. So as a layperson, you would say they would know who the Messiah is. They, they would identify the Messiah. They, they are to guide us in what they know to be truth. If you think about the context that all of this is happening, um, the people at that time, some had to view Barabbas as a political prisoner. And when they saw Jesus at that point, he had already been beaten. They knew that they were under the rule of Rome, and in their minds, a Messiah was coming, and this Messiah was going to be a warrior king. And he was going to restore them back to their place of influence, back to their glory days. And as they waited for this Messiah, the, those that were called to shepherd them, these religious rulers, the ones who were experts on the word, surely they would be able to identify who that person is. We're often faced with choices, and, and often the choice that seems good, we always have to question, is it right? See, see because, because when the enemy comes, when you're presented with these things, it often seems, this is, this is prudent. This, this makes sense. This is the way um, to view this situation. So you're looking at these two men, and one of them, has been beaten and battered. And the other one has been arrested as a political prisoner. The people he may have killed may be Roman people. So he's actually like a casualty of war. And, and maybe this was the person that we should be choosing. And now we have the leadership saying this is our choice. You know, um, people make those choices every single day. The choice of the crowd throughout the ages has been, we will stand on worldly wisdom. We, we, we'll look at these situations and we'll gauge what we're going to do based on that. But what is it that we know about Jesus? What was Jesus arrested for? Jesus was arrested because um, they said he was blasphemous. Roman government didn't care about that. So, so, so now they have to change their tactics and say he calls himself a king. He calls himself a king. He's a threat to Rome. So you'd better act on this. Pilate, 
And Pilate continually tried to release him, not because he was a person of compassion, but he, 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 he knew they were doing it for selfish reasons. He, they were doing it because of envy, because the text tells us that. And Jesus was innocent. A sin was laid on the lamb being led to the slaughter. If you were in the crowd, who would you have wanted? So we, we so easy from our context today, looking back at a story, say, no, no, no. It's clear. I would have picked Jesus. We can't really say that. If, if, if we were under that kind of oppression, if we looked at the state of Jesus even physically at that time, what the leaders were saying about him and the reputation of Barabbas, because them being notorious means people knew something about him. So he wasn't just any old prisoner. They also knew that they didn't want to be under the weight of Rome and these things that were going on. Every time you, you read the Bible, every time I read the Bible, more and more things come up where you're like, wow. So when we even think of the name Barabbas, Bar means son, right? Um, so Simon Bar-Jonah means son of Jonah. Bar means son. Abbas, Abba, is father. His name actually meant son of the father. Not only did his name mean son of the father, he had a first name. His first name was Jesus. In many texts, later translations, they took that out because Jesus' name is sacred. But if you go to the NET, if you go to the NIV, if you look at ancient texts, his name was Jesus. So, so when, when Pilate is saying, which one of the two do you want? Jesus called the Christ or Jesus, son of the Father? Like, wow. More and more when you just start to fold back the layers of God's word, the more you like, Phew. why it's so good to study God's word. Amen? So now it gives a little bit more context that there's these two different Jesuses. The um, religious leaders are telling you to choose one. And they're pointing you to the wrong one because of their agenda. You see, Barabbas was a threat to Rome and the government. Jesus was a threat to them, to the religious leaders of that day. So they had an agenda. So standing before you are these two different Jesuses. And often, leaders, religious leaders, so-called men and women of God are pointing you to a different Jesus. That is why it is so important who you listen to. It is so important, this information you're gathering. And when you think that I could just go online, pick people that I like to hear, that saying things that I agree with, be careful. Because these people led them off of a cliff, presenting them with a different Jesus. And the Jesus that they were presenting them with 
fit certain desires that they had. We want to be free. This person is a political prisoner and has gotten caught in this insurrection. And this guy, listen to the way that they spoke about Jesus. So now we go back to the beginning of the week when Jesus is coming in to Jerusalem. And they're laying down their clothes and they're waving these palm branches. They had a different thought in their mind what Jesus was going to do. He is coming to restore here and now what we want. And so often people want it now. You know, often I'm like, ah, I don't want to order stuff on Amazon. Like, I need to go to other places so they wouldn't have, like, this monopoly on things. But I want it now. Like, and I don't want to even have to go look for it. I want to just scroll, and then I'm going to go on my porch, and it's going to be there. Right? Like, that's what we do. Like, give it to me now. So when Jesus starts talking about this kingdom to come and it starts in your heart, like, I want it now. This guy's making moves. He's killing people. Like, give it to me now. We're faced with these things all the time, and we have to choose what are we going to do in these situations. What seems good or what seems Right, like delayed gratification and, and not thinking about everything and this makes sense and this is what I see things, but trusting what God says about God is so important. We find this story in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and Paul are used to heal this man. And when Peter and Paul are used to heal this man, they're confronted. Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 13, this is, what, this is what they say. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though you had decided to release him, though he had decided to release him, meaning Pilate decided to release Jesus. So you denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life. Wow. Whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of you all. That's what Jesus gives, perfect health. We're not talking about all the things going on in, in your body like we're getting old and, and this body is, is fading and my body's fading fast. But he gives us perfect health and we are going to have new bodies and he is continually doing something in our spirit man and building us into perfect health. And it says, and now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. So, so with all of these things that happened, this was God's will. But he's telling them something. Therefore, repent meaning you did this in ignorance, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. 
that seasons of, ref seasons of ref refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. As this happened, they rejected what was said and Peter and John were arrested. And often, we are confronted with these truths. And every time we reject them, it's a type of arresting that goes on in our hearts. So, number one, we... may have in that time picked Barabbas over Jesus. But now that you are not ignorant to these things, that is not the choice that we can make. Point number two, you look a lot more like Barabbas than you may think. Matthew 21, starting at verse 6, says the disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt. Then they laid their clothes on him, and they sat, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowd who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar saying, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Like we spoke about when we spoke about the crowd two weeks ago. Some of those people were there. Some of those people weren't. But this was the sentiment. But it was directed towards he's going to do what I want. That's what it was directed towards for too many. Not for all. We are always faced with. What are you going to do with truth? What are you going to do with this Jesus? How are you going to live your life? Because you can come to church. You can read your word. You can pray and not have Jesus Lord of your life. Not have trust that is seen through how you live and what you do. Because going through these certain motions may be a thought of, I want to make sure that I'm covered and I have like an insurance policy, but ultimately what I want in life is what I want in life. Instead of considering God, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who made you gets to tell you who you are because he created you, how he is to be glorified through who you are and that we are to die to ourselves because of what he did and that in dying, we live. They wanted victory. So when they looked at Jesus and they looked at Barabbas, it was like, well, how is victory going to come about? What I want to submit to you is that victory is found in surrender. Period. When they saw Jesus, they, they, they thought, this can't be right. Victory is found in surrender because 
God hates injustice. He hates injustice. He will not tolerate injustice. And he's just. The Bible tells us, though, that the wages of sin is death. That's just. That's right. And we're all sinners. So if God hates injustice, he's going to do everything in righteousness and injustice. So now we got a problem. And the problem is, you're a sinner. And justice has to come. Period. God is just. Sin must be paid for. So Jesus came to be the one who would pay so that you could be just. But what that means, though, is that you have to have victory over sin, and that's only going to be done by surrender. And, and we have to surrender every part of our hearts, and that is a growing process. You can come up, worship team. My wife and I were talking in her and Pastor Angelo Friday, like separating like the the palms and 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 she was like, should we like be waving palms? Right? And in light of the story that we just read, everyone who had a palm in their hand and waving it, saying Hosanna was not necessarily God's people. So I was like, well, you know, that's a good point. So obviously now I have to go and do research. And in Revelations chapter 7, in heaven, they're waving palms. It reads this way, starting in verse 9. After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. In the story we read, those historical events, there were palms earlier in the week, there was a, a, a throne where, where, where Pilate sat and the lamb was there being sacrificed and led to the slaughter on our behalf. But this is a totally different scene. It says, they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out, in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who is seating on the throne and the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and along with the elders and the four living creatures, they fell down, fell face down before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, who are these people in white robes and where did they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know. Then he told me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God. And they serve him day and night in his temple. And the one seated on the throne will shelter them. And they will no longer hunger. 
They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them, and he will guide them to springs of water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know what I wonder? I wonder if Barabbas is going to be there. See, because we can't say that he's not. We, we don't know what took place in his life after him considering that Jesus that they called the Christ took my place. And I've heard the stories and I heard he rose again. Sometimes we really have to put things in context. He, he might have turned out to be grateful. Are, are, are we grateful for all that God has done in our lives that when we wave these palm branches that we recognize I'm going to be doing this in heaven and there's going to be people around me that are going to look at me like, how did you get here? And I'm going to be thinking the same thing. <laughs> That's the power of the blood of the Lamb. Would you, would you stand, church? Before we, before we pray, I just want the worship team to to sing a song, and, and I want to open up the altars so that we can just spend some time reflecting on the Messiah coming in to Jerusalem, being rejected by his people, and the people saying, his blood be on us and on our children. And how that's rightly said for us, the blood be on us and our children, oh God. Because when we're waving these palm branches in glory, and the king is sitting on his rightful throne, not standing before a judgment seat, that, that we can recognize we look so much like Barabbas, but we were freed knowing that we were guilty. And that so often our choices are to pick a Barabbas-type situation over and above what God calls us to do. So, so if you so desire, let's just spend a couple of minutes before God. You can come and up front and let's just worship him song and reflect on his goodness and what it meant and what it's going to mean to wave those palm branches. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We do love you, Lord, but we love you because you first loved us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, even as we read this account about Calvary, wondering Barabbas witnessed that, recognizing that each and every one of us deserved the same. None of us would be able to bear it. But you, a perfect and holy God, came down from heaven, paid that price, who loves that way? What king leaves his throne? For the sake of his people. 
thank you, O God. Let us, Lord, as we walk out of here with palm branches, have such a picture in our minds that we're going to be waving them in front of your throne one day. As you sit in your rightful place as the lion and the lamb, overall help us to embrace our brokenness that sin had brought about and our wholeness in what you've done the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us so that we could live to glorify you what a celebration, oh God. We are in awe of you, Lord. We are in awe of you. Thank you that your love is satisfied. So is your righteousness and your justice. And the perfect way that you brought that about. We repent, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. We want to have a soberness about what you've done. But a great joy in recognizing what that means. And for the one, Lord, that you reveal truth to in a special way today. Have them repent and embrace your forgiveness. And that you would give them right standing. Call them a child of God. If they would go to one of the leaders in the church, and pray that you would continue to see them through as you're seeing each one of us through. Because your word affirms that we can have a great confidence in the fact that the good work that you started in us, you will bring to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you, family.